Welcome back to another episode of Sketch Nerds, where we break down sketch comedy. What works, what doesn't work, what we like, what we don't like, and why. This week, we'll be doing a very special episode, looking back at the career of the recently deceased Norm MacDonald. Uh, we'll be looking at a bunch of different sketches uh, and just talking about his style of humor in general. As a special guest this week, uh, from the excellent sketch comedy podcast, My First Sketch, as well as one of the brains behind Philly Sketch Fest, we have Josh Hyam. Oh, thanks guys for having me. Uh, and... Uh, also on the mic, we have our producer extraordinaire, Isaiah Hedden. Hello. Hello, hello. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, welcome in. Nice to be recording again. Nice to see you all. Uh, let's talk about Norm MacDonald, who uh, tragically passed away uh, a little while ago, uh, who was undoubtedly a powerful force in comedy, certainly through the 90s, uh, and the echoes of his work uh reverberated long after that and will continue to i'd imagine but let's start by talking a little bit about each of our kind of general thoughts on norm mcdonald and his style of comedy uh in general just to kind of get a baseline before we dive into the sketches josh what did you think about norm mcdonald what was your experience with him uh so like with norm he was when i first started watching like saturday night live and stuff he was the update guy then like he was my first update guy and I was, you know, I was in and out like as a 10 year old, 11 year old watching and he was doing Bob Dole, which was like, looking back at it, it was oddly influential to me. Like the same way that like Will Ferrell's George Bush would be, you know, like how the SNL like president uh, impressions ha- happen to be like, uh, so Norm was like a, a big thing. So, and when I really started watching and watching every week was when he started you know, when he basically lost his job as the update host and eventually quit the show, like that little bit of controversy there and Colin Quinn showing up out of nowhere, like what was a little jarring, I think for 12 year old Josh, I was like, Oh, this guy's not here anymore. Not knowing that, like, you know, that that there was a huge like firestorm behind the scenes of, you know, executives in LA not liking him and all that stuff. But like, yeah, Norm was a, a, a nice, uh, a real impressionable, like impressionable voice for young me. Now that I look back on it, for sure. Do you feel like he influenced your style of comedy at all? <laughs> I I don't know if he does because I, I always see him more of a joke person, and I don't yeah necessarily consider myself a joke person. Like I, if there's a joke in the story, like uh, yeah. but like he's one of my favorite update people when he you know doing it solo like yeah there there's an anarchy to his approach that i i really dig oh absolutely i i i love in if you go back and you watch his old update clips and there are a ton of them on youtube um but it's really great to see how often he's going for a groan and not a laugh or like how often he relishes in the groan um, or relishes in the gasp. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really, I think that's, I think it's really great because it, it, it kind of lends itself to doing something different. And I think, I, I think the current iteration of, of weekend update has a little bit of that with the way that, uh, you know, more often than not, Michael Che writing very inappropriate jokes for Colin Jost yeah. and like that getting a gas, uh, a gasp, but that is all, that's all like inherent to the bit 
Like mm. the bit is that we know, oh, it's a joke for Colin. What's it going to be? But with Norm, it was really like, this is just like, you could go through an episode where it's like pretty straightforward, weekend update, news of the day, jokes, and then you'll get something that's totally out there and really turns it on its head. Yeah, like, I mean, we know the idea of the whole, like, Justin Che writing jokes for each other. And that makes me think of this joke that Norm did on Norm on Update, where it was something about, like, uh, I forget what it was, but there was, like, some kind of pie chart. And he was like, you'll notice that the pie chart doesn't add up to, it was something about women and, and, and like, education. And, like, you'll notice that the pie chart doesn't add up to 100. That's because the woman, a woman did the math. And then that got a laugh and a groan. Ah, just kidding. Like, oh, you think that's weird? A woman wrote that joke. Well, laugh and groan. Oh, that's, we don't, we don't hire women. Like, so like the same thing, like, but it's, you know, him. Yeah. He was described uh, by Jerry Seinfeld as sophisticated dumbness. uh, And the idea being that like, there is some of the jokes on their face can come across as very kind of stupid and juvenile. But if you look a little deeper and that joke is a good example, that kind of multi-layered thing, you can see there's, there's more going on. Yeah. uh, Than that. Yeah. But uh, Isaiah, what did you think about Norm MacDonald? Well, I think it's a very similar story to what Josh is talking about. I mean, he was on SNL for five seasons, 93 to 98. And if I look back at my life, you know, know, I was born in 83, so I turned 10 in 93. And I remember the snowstorms in 93 and 96. So, like, things, you know, my memory starts to really, you know, form a story in that time of period of time. Jurassic Park comes out. You know, I remember birthdays. Um, And so I remember watching Saturday Night Live. I remember watching Norm do his thing. I remember laughing at him. I remember him getting fired and being replaced. I remember him, like, that being an issue. Like, it wasn't something I was invested in, but like the OJ trial, I remember it happening. And, like, it just kind of passes you by in time. And then you look back later and you're like, oh, wow. That, That was really something at some point. And his voice, his cadence, how he speaks, kind of hits that nostalgia string for me a little bit. I think it's from that time period that we talk about a lot that you find Center at Live in middle school. You know, like when you're allowed to stay up, that's where you start, you know, your humor and Center at Live kind of cross at that exact point in time. And I, I would say like the late 90s is definitely part of that. And so for me, his voice and the way he tells jokes and the, the deadpanness of it all. Um, I probably find certain things funny that I shouldn't find based off of that, that foundation. I wouldn't be surprised if you went back far enough, kind of like the, you know, the Simpsons of the nineties kind of really established a lot of my humor as well. It just like, it, they were just telling jokes a certain way and, you know, and it just, it just worked. And now it's like a foundation for, for how I how I approach comedy, Un, like under the surface. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it, I, I think we've talked about this not only on this show, but I know the three of us in in personal conversations about that the importance of those formative years of watching SNL. If you're if you end up doing comedy and, and and the way that that can influence you or, or who you think is like the best cast and all of that kind of thing. It, it, I think that can affect you a lot. I know for me, I was a little bit younger. So I missed Norm being on SNL. Um, Cause I was born in 91. 
So my kind of formative SNL memories are a little later. It's not, I'm 30, almost 31. <laughs> I'm not like super young. You guys well, laugh like. Everything you say, say from now on is meaningless. Go no, on. But it, it just reminds me of this idea that like people always blame millennials on stuff. And I was like, you do realize that millennials are like in their 30s now. Like Millennials are 40 now. Like, like, and, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. yeah, it's we're full adults. Full on adults. Shut up. <laughs> like, no, when people blame things on millennials, they just generically they, mean young people. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's yeah. more Gen Z now than anything. But that's, you know, uh, but for me, so uh, Norm MacDonald was someone who I was kind of aware existed, but wasn't super familiar with him. My first real kind of engaging with Norm MacDonald in any meaningful way was when my college roommate, my junior year, uh, ben Curry, who is a great sketch writer uh, based out of uh, Royal Oak in Michigan. Uh, he's written for Bad Medicine before. Ben Curry was going to see him at a show in Baltimore. And apparently, I never heard exactly why, but apparently Norm MacDonald was so bad that they refunded all of the tickets. Oh, wow. Like he showed up and was just terrible to the point. And I can't imagine, I imagine you have to be quite awful for the venue to refund all the tickets. And so I think that kind of was like, well, who's this shithead? Um, not to speak ill of the dead, but you know, later on, I definitely absorbed, you know, with, with YouTube and that kind of thing, absorbed more Norm Macdonald. And I've really had a love hate relationship with him. Because I think he can really tell an amazing joke. Like, he can tell a fantastic joke. But I also feel like he leans so much into what I would consider anti-humor. And I think we can talk more about if Norm MacDonald yeah, is anti-humor or not. That. In my perspective, he leans so much into that, that it's no longer subverting expectations. It's deconstructing stand-up by telling somewhat simple jokes and straightforward jokes that are still funny, but that stopped being unex- to me that stopped being unexpected at a certain point, and it stopped being commentary because it just started being that. And if yeah. I saw Norm Macdonald, I knew it was going to be something like the moth joke, which we'll talk about as well, a joke he told on Conan O'Brien, um, where there's a long meandering story. And then it's like he had it, it. Some of those Norm Macdonald jokes feel like when you're writing a sketch and you write like a really bad button, like you write a button that ends up being a pun or something like that. And it's like, this is not a like, this is a dumb, like groaner joke that I've put at the end of my sketch. And I know it is, but ending sketches is hard. Writing buttons is hard. So that's what I did. But we can unpack all of that as we go through uh, the episode. Let's start by talking about some sketches or some bits. Uh, Josh, what uh, is there anything in particular that Norm Macdonald did that you want to talk about or bring up? So the, the first thing, whenever I think of Norm Macdonald is, uh, and it's such an odd sketch to pick because I don't think a ton of people have seen it because it's not readily available online. And it's a weird thing where Norm Macdonald plays the straight man. He plays the host of a game show. Uh, it's a sketch from basically like his, it's like his second to last episode right before he quits. Uh, it's, it's a game show called who's more grizzled where Norm plays the host of the game show. 
And the two contestants are Garth Brooks and Robert Duvall uh, as old men who worked as prospectors, soldiers, like, have had a hard life. So the idea of the game show is finding out which of these two guys is a more grizzled old timer. Let's go to Dead Wives. The question is, life's hard, ain't it? Wayne. Damn right it is, Sonny. I lost Adeline in childbirth 40 years ago. Every spring when the dogwoods bloom and the foals, they take her first steps. I think of the way she... Uh, I'm sorry, that's wrong. No. No, that wasn't grizzled. That was uh, wistful. Mr. Mitchum, you can take a commanding lead here. I've buried wives, but a father should never have to bury a son. It was the flood of 52. We were all caught on the levee when... I don't want to talk about this no more. Yes! Were they the uh, guest, of the, I guess, is a Saturday Night Live? Uh, so, yeah, so it was Saturday Night Live, and Garth Brooks was the host. And there were a couple episodes in the late 90s where you had the host, but you also had, like, a guest star who I guess they didn't want to do. Like, so I know Robert Duvall did it once. I know Shaq did it once, where they just showed up for, like, two sketches in the show, and they weren't, like, the, the focal point of the show. Like Interesting. So it's it's weird to have sixty something year old Robert Duvall on SNL to begin with. Yeah, well, uh, he's a good actor. He shows up in things. He's one of those actors that if he's in it, it's probably good. You know what I mean? It's right. But why is he doing SNL at sixty whatever he was at that time? Like that's the that's the weird part to me. Do we know who the oldest? Person, oldest guest on SNL. The oldest host is Betty White when she that oh, when they did yes. that thing a couple years ago. Yes, that makes a hundred percent sense. Shout out to Betty White. Yep. Stop trending and scaring me. So he he's playing. So what what, what what did you like about this sketch? Like what 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 grabbed you on it? Well, there's like for one, uh, there's a bit of like self referential meta in it because the two contestants on the show very clearly do not like him as the host. And there's commentary about like, I I think Garth Brooks comes out and immediately, I don't much care for you. Well, sir, not a lot of people do like, yeah. And he had had already been fired off an update. I think he appears on the show like two or three more times after update between update and quitting. And it's, you know, that wink of, Yeah. Yeah, people don't like me apparently. Oh well, like was was a big part of me. And it's just a, a like I, I'm a big fan of game show parody sketches when they're done right. And I think this is as close to my favorite rightly done game show to me. I don't know. I just love it. Yeah, Isaiah, what'd you think? Um, unfortunately, because I am was not originally supposed to be on the show, I did not get a chance to watch these sketches that were all listed out. Um, this is not, I, I watched some of them, but I didn't watch all of them. So I did not get to see this one, but I am curious though. Do you guys think Norm's act? Cause he, he really does kind of play the same character and everything he does is, did he ever, could he turn it off? Is that, was that his bit? Was that a thing? Like if you were alone in an elevator, was he always acting like that? Or was this more like he could turn it up and be even more normie than Norm? Or, you know, was there, was there a switch? Because he really does. Like, you see one sketch, and you've seen them all, but he, his delivery is kind of very, like, and no one else could do it. So it's not like 
he was doing something that anyone in the cast could get up and do. Like only Norm could tell the moth joke, maybe Chappelle, and it would still carry all the way through. So for a bit like this, where he's playing kind of a straight man in a game show, is that is that Norm being Norm or is that something else? I think, this is the, I think this is yeah. the straightest he is. Like he, I, I don't think there is, especially in this sketch, uh, in this game show, he, like, there's no, like, there might be a wink to that, you know, persona that he has, but like outside of, he doesn't do much sketches once he gets update. Like he's Bob Dole for that campaign season. And he does a couple other impressions that show up, but like he's, he he's the update host. Like he doesn't do that much outside of that. So like, um, yeah, he just doesn't seem to be that persona in this one. When, when do you be, is, is the update host always head writer or is that something new? No, no, that's something new. That's something relatively new. Yeah. Okay. All right. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Well, and it's gone in fits and starts. So like Tina Fey was, but, um, I don't believe Amy Poehler was when she was no. one of the hosts. Seth was, um, but not not immediately after he got it. Like it still took a couple years. Yeah, and for me, like, like reflecting on it, it actually thinks so. Like when you first suggested doing this episode, I thought, why are we doing uh, sketch nerds about Weekend Update? Like, because I, I I was just unaware that he'd even done sketches outside of Weekend. I just I didn't know that he did sketches, and so obviously I've I've come to learn that, and I I knew he was in like. Celebrity Jeopardy, which we'll talk about later, doing the Burt Reynolds bit. But I didn't. Um, yeah, I, I I remember thinking like, well, oh, this doesn't sound like a good idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yes, for me, I still see him as a Saturday Night Live guy, and yeah. you know, if I made a top ten of my favorite Saturday Night Live people, you know, he he, he would be near that list. Which is which is funny because famously, in, after the 40th anniversary or around that time, uh, one of the Rolling Stone writers, uh, Rob Sheffield, made a list of uh, a ranking of all of the cast members ever, and Norm was dead last on his list. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I'm saying, like, I remember like sat, like classic Saturday Night Live and Norm fit in my head, but you know. He doesn't really have like that, you know, Target Lady sketch or something that you really, really know him for besides the Jeopardy, which really isn't his sketch. You know, he's in it, but it's not really his bit. They don't need him to do it. Well, and Josh, I think it's I think it's interesting that you point out this sketch with regard to it Norm being like the notable straight man in it, and that he normally played if he was in sketches, he played more goofy characters. And like you said, there are a couple of impressions. But with the um, like the psychologist sketch that we'll talk about later, it that feels like this feels like a modicum different. Like it, it, it really, and I think it gets to what Isaiah was saying: is it just feels like to me at least, there's not a whole lot of differentiation between Norm as a straight man and Norm playing the comedic character when he's not doing an impression. Yeah, and I think. I think it's interesting how Norm MacDonald is perceived in these sketches because uh, in an article in The Atlantic that I will uh, find the name of, the author describes him as being a great actor who chooses to do this one kind of bit. 
And I'm not so sure about that because I don't know what I'm basing Norm being a great actor on. He's yeah, I, I don't know if I would call him a great actor either. Like. Yeah, I think he has range. I think he has range. I think he chooses to kind of not take that road because he's in a pursuit of a pure form of comedy. So he's not going to, you know. I, I, I honestly think that he's one of those comedians that only did acting to pay the bills. Like if he probably would have been perfectly happy just being a road comic, but you know, other opportunities came up. Like, how do you say no to SNL? How do you say no to a sitcom? How do you say no to, to dirty work, a movie, you know, (laughs) with like dirty work where I think, I think there's one with Danny DeVito, like twins. um, (laughs) It's like, yeah, I, I, I think he probably would have preferred just to be a stand-up comic and done, you know, three nights at a club every week, every week. And then show up for late nights. I think, yeah. you know, when I got to, you know, preparing for this episode, I was watching all the clips everybody was posting. A lot of it came from late night, from him getting up there, you know, doing his bed and then sitting with the host and just joshing around these guys. Yeah, him on Conan or Letterman is like just as important to his like legacy as any other work he's ever done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I would thousand percent agree. Hey, I'm AJ Schrader, and I believe everyone has a story worth telling, and also that I should potentially profit off of their stories. That's why I started the podcast I Wrote to a Pilot, where each episode I talk to a not-yet-famous person about their television interest and then make them read a television pilot I hastily wrote for them with the hopes of catching the eyes of the president of television. It's available on most major podcast platforms, or you can find out more directly at iwrotetoapilot.podbean.com. Isaiah, what Norm Macdonald stuff jumped out at you? It's definitely hard to to pick one. I think you guys shared some really great stuff. I even watched hit the uh, the old episode uh, that he was on with comedians and cards getting coffee. Just trying to see like what what jumps out at me as something that's worth talking about. And I, I think at the end of the day, you gotta you know look at the celebrity Jeopardy stuff with the, with the Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. That's not my name. (laughs) Okay. Turd Ferguson. (laughs) Yeah, what do you want? You buzzed in. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Yeah, well, that's your opinion. (laughs) I hate my job. The answer was mustard. Mustard is made from mustard seeds. <laughs> Mr. Reynolds, it's still your board. Yeah, well, uh, why don't you give me, uh, <clears throat> why don't you give me ape tit for 200? I, I don't even want to say it's a good impression because I don't think it is. But like his tone that he took in that sketch and the, the gum and the chewing and the way he just kind of acts and like uh, the Turd Ferguson jokes and like that sketch already kind of had a system going um and then you kind of add him to it and he helps keep the energy up so that they can go back and i think when you write a sketch like celebrity jeopardy that's a parody of a of a show and you have such strong dynamics between two characters it's very i would almost say like the third character in most of those sketches you don't 
don't you don't quote you don't remember anything about them you know you don't remember jimmy fallon doing french steward in that sketch i feel like that's very memorable i'm saying most of them yeah. most of them you don't remember the third the third person but if, I, if I remember correctly so the one like the big one that everyone remembers with turd ferguson and the oversized foam hat like <laughs> was when he hosted when he came back i oh, really i i remember yeah, him he, he doing once doing Burt Reynolds as the, the main troublemaker on the Jeopardy sketches before he was fired. And then it transitions to Sean Connery being the weirdo. Like I I'd have to go digging, but I'm pretty sure he did it at least once or twice, like as a cast member. It's just that this one was the best. Like the one that he hosted was the best one. I would like to see if there's a super cut of all his um, appearances on there, but I just like the tone and the approach that he takes in playing a character because it is, you know, you're going to talk about the the one, the cold open he with Oprah and Marv Albert, where like he kind of doesn't play himself normally. You know, his tone is different, his stance, the way he kind of gets through the words are different, and I, I like that. And I like that. That to me was funny as a kid, and it's still funny to me now as an adult. Like, um, just it's almost physical comedy, and and just the kind of the the way he kind of leans into his questions and answers and playing with his cuffs and like just chewing gum, looking off into the distance. Like it's a good bit. It's a good bit. And, and it will, I will probably still find it funny 20 years from now. Like we'll all be alive in 20 years. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that the celebrity jeopardy bit is it, it is, it, it's, it's, it's timeless for sure. And it, it, it holds up in a very specific way. Mostly because he's kind of just, he's not, as you said, Isaiah, he's not being himself, but he's not being Burt Reynolds. No, not at all. Not at all. He's just being a weird dude, um, like couched in the idea of Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds is like, he's, he's a bit odd, but like Burt Reynolds is, is certainly if you're trying to like parody what people think of as Burt Reynolds is like a cool customer. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's that idea where certain SNL impressionists like really want to like be as accurate as possible and make you truly believe that they're that person. Like Daryl Hammond did it like talked about how much he studied Bill Clinton to try to like get it down like completely. Where Danny Carvey was like, Yeah, I'm George Bush. I'll, you know, I'm gonna hit this little nugget and just play with it and like become this character George Bush instead of wanting to be as close as possible to, you know, the original one, the original George Bush. Yeah. And I think Norm's definitely more in that camp of like, Oh, I'll take some weird little foible I've seen once and create a full character out of that instead. And as someone who's not a good actor, um, I wrong, but okay. Disagree. (laughs) I find value and, Someone say, all right, I'll play X character and personate this person, but I'm, I'm going to do it my own way and then like lean into it. So I think there's, there's, you know, one of the things I want to get better at is doing characters, coming up with characters and performing as that character. And, you know, in bad medicines, we don't do a lot of impersonations. There's not a lot of people that can do voices that can mimic stuff. And, you know, that's a weak point. And I would love to get better at that. And I think maybe one of the approaches is doing that, being like, all right, you are X, 
but you're going to only be X in one way. And then the rest of it, you're going to make up and escalate on and, and any other form if you want to do it, whether it's physical humor or, you know, you got a prop gum in your mouth and you're just going to, you know, chew and make eyes with the audience. But, you know. I thought you said you have a prop gun in your mouth. And I was like, boy, what <laughs> sketch is that? Gum. G-U-M. Gum. <laughs> we have not written that sketch yet. I, I don't think. No. No. I mean, there may be one sketch, maybe one joke. that. I'm ready for that because I'm ready to show off my timely Dave Matthews impression. <laughs> Dave Matthews sings like his tongue is too big for his mouth. You cannot quit me so quickly. <laughs> do, 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 do. I thought you said he sings like he has a gun in his mouth. And I was like, yeah, he does sing going? like <laughs> You cannot quit me so quickly. First times can be awkward for everything, including comedy. So why not look back at a comedy writer's first attempt at making an audience laugh? From Philly Sketchfest, have a listen to My First Sketch, the podcast introducing you to sketch comedians from around the world, starting with their first sketch. Hosted by me, Josh Hyam, we'll explore how a writer got started, what shaped their sense of humor, and where they go from here. Check out My First Sketch at myfirstsketch.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We've mentioned the Marv Albert sketch a couple times. I want to mention it. It's uh, it's him playing Marv Albert, uh, the sportscaster who had just been in a. Uh, there was controversy around Marv Albert because he bit a woman uh, allegedly during sex. Um, I think since he not, went to jail, you don't have to say allegedly anymore. That's fair. Yes, <laughs> fair enough. I couldn't remember that, so thank you for reminding me. Yeah, so he bit a woman non-consensually. Uh, you know, consensual biting, you do you, listeners. But non-consensually, don't do it. Um, and so he's playing Marv Albert uh, with uh, Tim Meadows playing Oprah. So, Marv, you wrote this book and you're here to talk about it. Well, that's right, Oprah, and I'd really like to thank you for giving me this opportunity. Well, forget about it, because it ain't going to happen. Now, let's talk about you and them choppers of yours. You like to get freaky. Well, yes! Now, honey, I heard that you like to wear women's panties. Yes! Mm -hmm. you, you even wore nipple clamps? Yes! Mm -hmm. You ever use an ass bracelet? Yes! And it hurts! Mm. You go, girl. How about the squirmy rooter? Oh, my God, yes! Mm -hmm. I am scared of you, honey. And so he's playing Marv Albert uh, with uh, Tim Meadows playing Oprah. Um, and what I what actually grabbed me about this sketch is because I thought he was doing a pretty good impression of Marv Albert. He was. And I didn't totally. think the, but the audience didn't seem to get it. Or maybe they like weren't interested in it, but he was doing really pitch perfect the Marv Albert famous, yes! Um, like very, very uh, NBA Jam. It was like <laughs> all NBA Jam sound effects. He's on fire. <laughs> yeah, it's actually something I've written into a sketch that we've done. That again, the audience didn't get. So maybe, especially now, probably Marv Albert impressions aren't terribly timely. But it just it stood out to me so much because I was like, again, not thinking of Norm Macdonald as a strong actor, but thinking he's nailing this impression. But it's not getting a good reaction. I don't know, quite know why, but the audience wasn't picking up on it or 
they weren't interested in that character. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. It's it's weird because that sketch, that particular sketch, is a cold open, right? And it is such a bizarre choice to yeah. open the show with, like, which I I think personally that might be my response to why the the audience isn't as into it. But yeah, it is a great impression. But like, why do you lead off with that? Like, yeah, so it's like it's a one a.m. sketch that they did as a cold open. You think? Like, it, it feels to me like they couldn't figure out how to get out of it on a button. So let's just throw live with New York and just throw it up front. Like let's yeah. Which very well possibly could be the way, but like, yeah, I mean, he, I I feel like a Marv Albert impression. If you've watched basketball is relatively easy. Yeah. Like with the, the yes, like, you know, like all the, you know, all of his, you know, catchphrases and whatnot that he's memorable for. Uh, so and like this is such a weird because I do remember watching the sketch when this first happened and I was like 11 or 12 and with this and all the stuff that was happened with Clinton the whole idea of, like sexual politics made like at that age I was not ready for like, sure yeah <laughs> so um, yeah like Norman like Marv Albert who like just seemed like such a straight laced dude yeah. going to jail for I don't know what the actual like charges were, but like ended up going to jail for that. Like that's, that's wild. Like, yeah. I mean, I like the tone, um, uh, that like they were just asking him questions and he was just hitting the yes, yes, yes. And it was like getting worse and worse. It's like the escalation of the game was just cracking me up. Like it was, it was perfectly, Built so like it is a very funny sketch. It just was just like I don't know if this is the one you lead the show off with. Sure, you know, like even if you were to do it somehow, if you were able to do it today in today's world, and you did it's have the R. Like, Kelly the right, sketch, it's like the R. Kelly yeah, sketch. Yeah, you had the right characters in. You were doing a bit. I don't think you open your show with this unless you really want to divide the audience immediately and say, "Well, this doesn't offend you." you're with us for the rest of the show. You know, it's, it's almost like it's, it's not a lot. It's like straight heater down the middle. Like, yeah. and, I, and, and I have out. no memory of like who hosted that episode and what would have come after that. Like, yeah, that would be very interesting to like do the, wh- whoever's doing the monologue after that. Like, yeah. Um, what, what do you have to recover from? Yeah. With this very cold audience. So the host, um, Wikipedia, I could be wrong. Says it was Sylvester Stallone who, who hosted the episode where they opened. With oh, the it was that episode? I, I think so. I, I did a quick Google date, um, the date, the SNL date, and that's what came up with uh, Jamiroquai. That, uh, Jamiroquai, come on. Jamiroquai, I'm sorry. Come on. I'm reading it, man. That episode has a really funny sketch where Norman Donald's in a car accident and Sylvester Stallone saves, like, tries to save him. But he just keeps rattling off all of Sylvester Sloan's bad movies. Like <laughs> it, it's 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 I, I enjoy it. I know EK wanted to talk about this, so I think it's worth bringing up. What is your thoughts on the moth joke? Which I think is, you know, if you were going to show someone one joke or one bit from Norm to kind of, who has no idea who he is to kind of give them the idea of. This is Norm. This is what he does. I think the moth joke is the joke you share. 
What do you what do you guys think of that one? I completely agree that it is like it is like a tentpole uh, joke for him or a signpost joke for this is what Norm Macdonald is, and I think it is a stupid fucking joke that I do not care for. Well, I, to me, like I was thinking about this when she sent out the email about it. I was like, the moth joke is basically the aristocrats, where like exactly you have what it is. Yeah, where you thing. have the setup, yeah. you have the punchline five minutes later, and you just do what ever you want yeah. in those five minutes like which is kind of what i mean it's, it's kind of what you need when you just need to fill five minutes on a talk show like someone that can just say just craziness for like that's why he is like almost like this epic memorable guy on conan letterman like he you just go off for five you know you know you have norm you have five minutes that you don't have to worry about Right. I, I think for me, I know I was, I was quite flippant when I just said, <laughs> I think it's just because it, I, it, it like I, I said this, I can't remember if I said this, uh, well, before we started recording or after we started recording, but like, it just seems like that I know, and I, this is the whole point. It seems like it should build to something more interesting than, well, the light was on, um, which, spoiler alert, is the punchline to that six-minute no, joke. It, it, um, shouldn't because, it, it shouldn't because that's, that's how great it is because you get so invested in what's going on. You're tracking all these details, waiting to get to something that's you know, clever and strings them, all, you know, strings them all together, and then it's not. Like, that's the... That's the but whole meal, you know. As someone who knows it? who Norm Macdonald is, didn't you know that was coming? In a sense, yeah. It's kind of like a, a Mitch Mitch Hedberg's uh, joke, where you, you know it, there's a twist to the joke, and so you're waiting for the twist. But at least so, you know that you, you at, at least the twist isn't going to be a lame punchline. That's that. <laughs> I think that's no, but I think that's my thing. Is that like the twist with Norm Macdonald? always comes down to, or not always, but often comes down to a basic punchline. Like when he was on the, the roast of Bob Saget, which was, a, you know, a big, a big yeah. thing for him. Yeah. And he gets up and he does these it. jokes like, oh, uh, you, you have a beautiful face like, uh, like a flower. Cauliflower. Uh, see, okay. So I, I'm with Isaiah here. I love, I love <laughs> the roast thing because it is like, Within the situation that he's in, he's doing something so vastly different than everyone else. Like, and if you watch that that particular roast, he doesn't care to be there. He is sitting up there on the stage reading the paper, and anytime someone talks about him, he just looks up from the paper like, "Why are you guys talking about me?" Like, and then those jokes are like, I remember when I first watched it, I thought that was like anti humor. But the jokes of them are so, like so good to me. Like, but I, it's also the delivery. It's not just the joke. It's the it's the way he delivered. I mean, like Gilbert Godfrey delivering those jokes. It, they're going to hit differently. You know, it's just you can just and also like I would say the react them cutting away to the reactions of the comedians watching him do this, and they're just in awe that he is taking this swing 
you know. Yeah, Bob um, Saget kind of, absolutely loves what's happening. They love like, it. They're loving it. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe he's going for it, man. He's going to make the, you know, 700 twist land joke and he's going for it. And it's like, ah, it's, I, it's I, delicious. I, I don't think the point that I'm trying to make, and, and I don't think I'm doing a good enough job at this. So let me try and reframe it. You hate Mark Donald and... No, no. <laughs> I am not trying to make the point that any individual instance of these things are not good and that he's not subverting the right. thing. It's that when viewed in retrospect and as a body of work, it seems like it comes back to the same thing every time. And so it's not that that is not a virtuoso performance at a roast. It's that ultimately the moth joke is the same thing. If all you're doing is grown punchlines, um, I guess if you're expecting it to come, I could see how that gets, that gets old. Well, I, I think I mentioned this to you a couple weeks ago when we were hanging out, Isaiah, that like comedy is math and magic. There's a formula and then there's a and then there's some kind of like subversion or sleight of hand. It always boils down. There's always a formula to a joke. Like, you know, we if you teach comedy, you're teaching formulas of yeah, fish out of water characters. Like, and and it's dumb for us to think it is like that. We're not like just straight on. Like, Jeopardy sketch is a formula. Funny, you know, funny titles to the categories. You have four different questions. Make some kind of pun, you know, like it, 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 it's absurd to think, you know, it, it, it's hard to say that like comedy can be at this high art where like SNL for 40 something years has literally just been copy and pasting a format and then inserting joke here, inserting joke here, inserting joke here. Like, but the that bit of magic, that bit of like subterfuge and sleight of hand, you know, that's how that's why the moth joke works. You don't expect necessarily we might have seeing it that whatever this is, this punchline is gonna be ridiculous, like is gonna be, you know, something about I mean nephew would tell me. Yeah. But the five minutes that he does it of you know telling this whole story along the way. Oh, maybe it won't be. And then that boom of, oh, silly punchline. Oh, he got us again. Like, yeah. No, it's very true. Um, and, and, and I think that is, that is a good point is that not everyone is thinking about every instance as like the whole of his art. It's, this is a funny joke. And the setup, the setup is funny. And as you said, it, the aristocrats work sometimes. It doesn't, doesn't always work, um, but the aristocrats work sometimes. The question I have is, um, he was very vocal about his opinions and stand up on and off the stage, uh, and who he supported and who he backed and his thoughts on the Me Too movement and things like that. Very similar to Chappelle, where this is what I think says something, you know, it's like, whoa, what, what are you doing? So I would, I could see people saying like, why are you, like you said earlier, why, why are we talking about Norm? Why are we singling him out? You know, other comedians have passed away. We've never done this before. Why, why Norm? Like are, can you separate the man's point of views from his comedy, from his act? Is, is that, 
you know, justified? Is there a line to where that, you know, if you cross this line, there's nothing, you're just lost, a lost cause. Um, or because he's a human being, you know, he's going to have faults and, but we shouldn't, that shouldn't just be the hard cutoff. In literary criticism, this is called the death of the author. Uh, and it is a postmodern, I, postmodern, it's modern or postmodern idea that basically suggests the artist is entirely separate from the art. And it's a good question. Is the artist entirely separate from the art? I think with stand-ups, it is particularly difficult to separate the artist from the art because the nature of the art is inherently presenting a version of yourself. Not always, but 95% of the time, it's a version of yourself that you're presenting on stage. Um, yeah, he had some, Norm Macdonald, certainly in the Me Too era, had some bad takes that did not age well. Notably saying with regard to Roseanne Barr, who gave him his first job writing on Roseanne, and Louis C.K. basically saying they did one thing and then like their whole career was ruined in a day and that didn't happen to the victims. He said that. Uh, he walked it back uh, afterwards, but that's a really that's a really unnuanced take um about that i still think i don't think that means we can't appreciate the art that norm mcdonald made but i think it's a necessary part of the conversation about norm mcdonald yeah shortly after norm passed away uh conan did a, a episode of his podcast with uh andy richter and i think the i forget his name but the the guy that books the stand-ups on yeah, the yeah. show yeah. Uh, and they talked about uh, one of his other appearances on Conan's show, which I, I think was the TBS show at this point, where he did another one of his, you know, six minute long jokes about a Swedish Hungarian, I think it is, or German Hungarian or something, because Andy Richter volunteers that, you know, his cultural heritage is Swedish Hungarian. And, it, and it's basically like a six minute long gay joke. And Andy talks about having to sit there. And it and it is kind of funny, but it's still a gay joke, and he's uncomfortable. Like he like he says he's uncomfortable kind of being a, the part of the process of making fun of a, a gay person, but being attached to it. Like and he, like how he had to reconcile that. And I and I wish I had gone back and listened to the episode to remember like what what Andy fully says about it. But he was like. Yeah, he's a funny guy, but sometimes his jokes aren't the best for what year we're in. Like, like he, like Norm seems to be very stuck in a maybe a time warp of nineteen, I don't know, sixties, seventies, eighty something. Like, and yeah, you know, that's another thing that we have to deal with as an audience. Like, you know, comedy in twenty twenty one is entirely different than comedy in the fifties or sixties. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's talk. I think we're kind of getting to the end of things, but I do think we should talk about if Norm Macdonald is anti-humor. And I've already define voiced, it. Define it. Define it. Uh, anti-humor is uh, funny. Is is humor that is funny because it is explicitly designed to not be funny. 
It is often basic or subversive in that way. I think a good example is Andy Kaufman, who's probably the father of anti-humor, getting up on stage and reading The Great Gatsby. That was the whole bit. And people sat and watched and they left. Was it funny? Probably at first. And then probably again a little bit later. And then it's a whole novel. Um, I don't know. Does, are, are there any other things I should add to the definition of anti-humor? I should have looked it up. This is just me off the top of my head. No, that was a good guess. I, was, I thought you were going to lead in like Tim and Eric style. I don't think Tim and Eric is anti-humor. I think it's um, surreal Not humor. Not funny. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think it's surreal. <laughs> I, I I, okay, that's funny, fair. I agree that I'm I, I I'm certainly not uh, defending Tim and Eric. I'm not a big fan, but I wouldn't say it's anti humor. I'd say okay. it's surreal humor. All right, all right. That's good. That's good. Uh, I think it's a good definition. Josh, what do you think? I don't think he's anti humor. Like, I I think I think even as you know, we talk about the moth joke being like a six minute thing with a dumb punchline with a childish punchline. I'll say it that way. Like there's still points in that story that he tell like in that story that are funny. Like it's not, it's not like he's he's, you know, going back to like the moss like childhood and like just I I I know I, I I can't really call him anti humor, especially when you're using, you know, Gatsby, and Andy Kaufman as a as a a point to that, especially now as I look at an Andy Kaufman painting staring at me. Like, I think, no, I I think he's always trying to make people laugh. Like, it's not just there to be um, for the experience that Andy Kaufman was looking for. Andy Kaufman was looking for any reaction. I think people that do an Andy humor are looking for any, to make people uncomfortable to the point where I don't think Norm was doing that. I think that's a really good point. I think he was always going for a laugh. He was always going for a laugh, which is, is certainly a point against him being anti-humor. Definitely. Uh, Maybe maybe the occasional groan, but yeah, but always a laugh. Right. Isaiah, what do you think? I don't think Norm was trying to do anti-humor. I think he was literally trying to tell a joke, trying to tell a joke in maybe a different way uh, than people would mostly expect. I think he has this, you know, every man quality to him and the way he delivers and he wants to be approachable to the audience. And he really, he's really great at like getting the audience to follow along with what he's saying and to respond back to their, you know, he can feed off of them very well. And I think when you're trying to do anti-humor, you don't care what the audience is doing. And I think he does care. Um, I just looked it up anti-human on Wikipedia and they do mention Andy Kaufman, but they also mention Norm MacDonald, even though they do state that he objected to being associated with uh, anti-humor. Um, also on here, they, they put dad jokes up here. Um, they put surreal humor. Uh, the aristocrats are on here for some reason. Um, with Tom, uh, Tom Green. <laughs> uh, I, can, I, can probably, I can see that. I can see that. But I do think he was actually trying to tell jokes. And that's one of the reasons why he's seen as being a comedian's comedian, because that's what he was doing. I'll, I'll stand by my 
my view of him as anti-humor, but Josh's point about him always trying to get a laugh does certainly challenge that in a meaningful way. Any final thoughts on Norm MacDonald before we never mention him again? No. Um, Ah, <laughs> uh, go ahead, Josh. Just, I mean, the big arching thing with like the surprise of his death and apparently that he had been fighting cancer for the last 10 years, like, and looking back at some of the, like, for whatever reason, I got a couple, like watching, you know, some of the videos that we were talking about, my YouTube mentions were starting to say like, Norman Don playing poker or Norman Don doing this, like, and he is looking older and kind of unwell in some of those videos. Like there's a part of me that wishes that we knew as a public that as, you know, comedy fans that we knew something was up. Like, cause similar to Chadwick Boseman, when like someone dies that suddenly, despite suffering for so long, you kind of wish that you were able to celebrate that person with them still here. Like, you know, the whole idea that like Chadwick, everyone thought that he was going to win the Oscar the year after he died. And when he didn't, like everyone was up in arms of, Oh my gosh. Well, like, you know, we, we could have celebrated him more than we could have celebrated Norm just as much, you know, County central could have done something if we knew that, that he was sick or, you know, like whatever, I'm not going to say fundraising because that's, that's, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, that the idea of give the roses to the people before they go. Yeah. Sure. Like, yep. I think is a big thing with Norm, unfortunately. I would, I would say the same thing. Um, it was nice to see friends of mine who I wasn't, I didn't know they were big Norm fans that posted pictures of getting his autograph, like meeting him in person and like waiting in line and getting a picture with him. Like a lot of people posted stuff when he passed, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this. It's like, it seemed like it, it hit everybody. And most people were like, Oh, him, Norm, what? And I do think that if you do have a, a comedian that you like, um, actor that you like, and you have an opportunity to go see them a lot, just go, just go do it. And, you know, write them fan letters, like just do it because. Unless they're know. playing Rams head live in Baltimore in 2012, <laughs> then don't do it. Or you can get your money back, so it's not I'm so bad. I'm so curious about that show now. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll reach out to to Ben and find out what was so bad about it. If you um, if you get Ben to record the story on, on like over a voicemail or something, I'll I'll add it to the end of the show. All right, I'll I'll talk. <laughs> just to his explanation of like that. what happened because he's a great Ben's a great storyteller. But yeah, I just feel like I too wish um, celebrities. Uh, this is a weird thing to say because it is a private matter. You can do whatever you want. But I wish he's like, hey guys, uh, so and so's. Stepping down, he's he's not doing too well. You should, you know, give them your their flowers now. And don't don't wait until they're dead. You know. Well, and he came out on the other side of it, but it's it's a bit like the Mark Hoppus thing. He was very upfront um, about yeah, the yeah. cancer he was experiencing, and it, it it kind of allowed people to really you know talk about how shitty it was, but kind of talk about how great um, a bass player, a great a creative force he was for three decades now. Um, and honestly, like Norm, as far as I know, Norm still worked, mm-hmm. yeah, consistently the entire time. So like, yeah. it wasn't like he went away. Yeah, like you know, whatever his video shows. show, his Netflix. I think he had a Netflix talk show, a he podcast. Yeah. Like he was still constantly moving, even though it, you know it might not have been as high profile as Saturday Night Live. But like he never went away fully. No, certainly not. Well. Retrospective on Norm MacDonald. Uh, he was a great 
a great comedian, um, polarizing comedian. But to quote the AV Club in their uh, obituary, uh, Norm Macdonald was a comedian who told jokes, damn it. Uh, so thank you so much to uh, Josh Hyam for being on the show today. Uh, we loved having you. We always love having you. Uh, thank you to Isaiah Hedden. Uh, and I'm Andy Weld. Thanks for listening to Sketch Nerds. This episode was produced by Isaiah Hedden and recorded in Washington, D.C. The closing music tracks were provided by SoundtrackForEverything.com. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. The Sketch Nerds podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy group Bad Medicine, D.C.'s best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. For showtimes, videos, and funny t-shirts, please visit badmedicinecomedy.com.